Life Church podcast with Pastor David Sinkraven. All right. Welcome back to our series here in James. Uh, it's been a great series. I've so appreciated all the messages that have been preached, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you today. Uh, we've just got a short passage here, but as you can see from this little video, it doesn't lack in punch. This is a tough passage to swallow uh, for everybody, and that is from the youngest of us to the oldest, and that's why I had the Big Kids Church uh, join us today, and so welcome you guys to Adult Church. It's great to see your smiling faces. Uh, we're going to talk to you too today. It's not just for the adults. This, this message from James applies to literally every single one of us. And so we're going to read this passage of Scripture. It's found in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And then we're going to unpack it a little bit. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's start in James 4, verse 13. James says, Now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Let's pray for a second. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would take these words off of the page from James, run them through my mouth, and speak your message to each person's heart here today. I fully submit to you and what you have here for us from your word. We love you and we thank you for this time. Amen. You might be wondering what I have all these different objects up here for. You might be wondering if they have anything in common. I have a spray bottle, some grass, flower. This is supposed to be a UFO. This is as old as I am. This is one of the toys that I played with as a kid. And maybe you kids can guess what all these things do have in common. Some luggage and a pair of running shoes. The idea is that all these things give us a picture of James' major point from this, these four verses. And that major point here today that I want all of us to walk away with is that life is short. Your life is very, very, very short. And James opens here, and he's talking about not boasting about tomorrow, but he says, because of this, because your life is very short. And he gives us an incredible word picture there. He says, it's like a mist. It's just here for a little while. And then it vanishes. And Pastor Bill and I were joking about this because he knew I was going to do this. And I, was, I said, you know, if I have to get every single one of us wet today in order to communicate this one point, in order for you to remember it, I'm willing to do that. So how many of you are going to remember this if I don't get you wet? Okay, then I won't do it. But, you know, I'm convinced that maybe you should all get a spray bottle and keep it in your, in your bathroom or whatever. And sometimes you just need to wake up in the morning and spray yourself and say, my life is short. I need to remember that. My life is like a mist. It's here for just a little while, then it vanishes. It's gone. It's over. And sometimes we feel so immortal that we forget this. You know, I believe we were created to live forever, and that's why this truth, I don't think, will ever get to the point where it feels natural. So it has to be something that we're continually reminded of. 
It has to be something that we continually go back to God's Word and understand what James says here. This point that James makes that your life is short is consistent with the rest of Scripture. You know, the psalmist describes our lives as grass. And here in South Dakota, if you're a golfer, we have some golfers in here, this is what the grass looked like a few months ago. But you all know that it doesn't look so much like this anymore. And South Dakota is one of those states that the grass has an extra short life. But in all countries, everywhere, grass has a very short lifespan. And psalmist says, your life too is like grass. Your life is very short. He says, it's like a flower. This particular flower comes from my kitchen. Uh, My wife likes to decorate, and uh, it's a nice flower. It's a fake flower. And the reason it's fake is because when I give her flowers, they don't last very long. And so in order to have something that lasts for a while, you have to get a fake one. Your life is like a flower. It doesn't last very long. The psalmist says it fades like a flower very quickly. Now I have a UFO sitting here. First Peter chapter 2, he says we are like aliens here in this world. You know how many of you guys like uh, the sci-fi movies? This is for all you sci-fi people. Um, you know, the aliens come down and, and this, this particular pod has lost a leg, as you can see, probably in some battle. Um, but they, they land, and then they, they put their legs out, and they open their pod, and they jump out. And then they do their mission on Earth, right? They run about, and they do their little mission. But then it's back to the spaceship or the UFO or whatever it is. It's back there. It's, it's very short. It's very brief. It's very focused. It's missional. Then they're gone. We're like aliens here. We don't stay for very long. Peter also describes their life as sojourners or travelers, strangers here. You know, when I go on vacation... Um, and, and I don't know how many of you guys do this. The hotels, I always think it's interesting because they have dressers and stuff for you and, and closets. And I don't know how many of you use them, but I just I, you know, dump my suitcase in there someplace and I let the room just go to trash for the whole time that I'm there because I'm on vacation and I just let it go. I don't put my clothes away in the drawers. I know I'm leaving very quickly. And I think sometimes we need to remember that too. We're leaving this place very quickly. The Apostle Paul, over and again, describes this life as a race. We know that most races are very short. There are some races that are very, very, very long. And one of the pastors would try to convince you that it's a good idea to run them. They're called marathons. And I would tell you that although most races are short, these races are four hours of turmoil. And I would highly, highly caution you from doing that. But even the longest races that we run are short. Our lives are very short. And I know for myself, when I read James, I like to hurry past this point. I like to run past it real quick. Ah, I don't want to stay there too long. I'm confronted with my own mortality. I'm confronted with the fact that I'm dying. Every one of us in here, even our small children, we are all dying. We share that in common. And the other thing we share in common is that not a single one of us knows when our last moment will be. I may not make it through this sermon. I hope that I will. I, uh, I plan to. But I'm not guaranteed that. Life is very short. You know, God has, I think, given me several reminders of this in my uh, 27 years. I went to a small Christian high school. And um, I've been to many funerals for various ages of people. But in, in the time that I was at Sioux Falls Christian until now, which hasn't been all that long, you know, 12 years maybe, Um, I've attended five funerals of students there that have died. And I'll never forget, 
um, any of them actually, and I can still see all of their bodies lying there in the coffin. The first one was Kelly Feikema. He acquired leukemia as a sophomore in high school. And I remember thinking, leukemia? High school students aren't supposed to get leukemia. He died before his senior year. His body had completely withered away. His life is short. It spoke something to me deep in my heart. And then the next one was John Warnchies. He was a young man so full of life, you could hardly believe that he's dead. But he was best friends to one of my good friends, and he died. A tractor fell on him in a, in a summer accident. He was going into the eighth grade. Never dreamt that that would be his last year. He's 13. How old are you, Esther? Eight years old. She just turned eight. She just had a birthday. Eight years old. Not far from there. His life is very, very short. It reminded me when I looked at John, his life is short. The next one was Seth, Seth Burgers. He was friends with my brother Dan. He'd just gotten his permit, was out driving one evening at dusk. The sun was just going down. and They pulled out in front of a car, didn't see it coming. He was killed instantly. I remember looking at Seth thinking, he's 14 years old, how can this happen? I remember thinking there should be some sort of a clause, some sort of a rule that death has that you don't take people a certain age. There should be some sort of an exemption that you get, but we don't. Not a single one of us is exempt. Not a single one of us are safe. Our lives are very, very short. The next one was more tragic for me personally. It's Aaron DeWitt. I had coached him in basketball. Once again, one of the most lively young men that I've ever, men that I've ever met. And um, he was just so fun all the time, so full of life. I still cannot picture him not being alive. This happened five years ago. And uh, he was coming home from a party early one morning and drove his car into a grove of trees and was killed. His life was very short. He lived 17 years. He didn't think that. The last one, of course, is Lee Bratcher, who died just this past August. August 13th, I think it was. And Lee sat right where you're sitting in these chairs. He was a part of our student ministry. He attended Braveheart. He had talks with me. We went fishing late at night. He was full of life. He was so much fun. He never knew he would only be given 23 years or 22 years. But he died in his sleep in his apartment at college. None of us are guaranteed another moment. Our lives are very, very short. They're like a mist. They're like this. They're just here for a short time. Then they vanish. They're gone. So James is trying to drive this point home to us. And, and yet I feel like in spite of, of what we know that this, this is true, with the medical advances that we have today, with the things that, that extend our lives, we still plan for the future. I think that's okay, like he said in there. You know, we, we think about what our lives are going to be like in the future. We think about um, what we're going to do when we're 60 and 70. And there's nothing wrong with that, but what James is saying here is he's saying, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your lives are very short, and so you should do two things. And so out of this first point that James makes here, that your life is very short, he says a couple other things. So he's talking, he's kind of rebuking them about boasting about tomorrow. And then in verse 15, he says, instead, so he says, don't boast about tomorrow. Your life is very short. And then he says, instead, this is what you ought to say. If it is the Lord's will, you will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And so James is saying, your life is very short, so you should do two things. My big point is, your life is short. But out of that, James is saying, do two things. And the first one is, 
Give all your plans, your whole life, to God. Learn to bend your life around Him, around what He wants for your life, instead of trying to take Him and bend Him around your life and your plans. See, oftentimes we get it backwards. We say, God, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Now, why don't you just go ahead and sign off on it? That's not the way it works, James says. He says, that's backwards. James isn't saying that we shouldn't make plans. What he's saying is that Christians should not make plans the way that the world makes plans. Christians should make their plans differently. You know, oftentimes I think we act like, or we make our plans like practical atheists. Just be right up front, myself included. Oftentimes we say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and God is nowhere in the picture. And James is saying, what's wrong with that? You who have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord, is he not Lord over your future plans? Is he not Lord over everything that you have? See, we in America don't understand this principle of lordship very well, that when you have a Lord, it means you do what the Lord says. Lord says do this. You say, okay, yes, Lord. Other countries understand that better. We live in this democratic society where we kind of make fun of our leaders and, and nobody really has that much pull and, and, and we kind of buck the trend and stuff like that. But Jesus is your Lord if you have confessed him as Lord and Savior. And that means what the Lord says goes as far as your life goes. You don't get the final say in your life anymore. That's what James is saying here. He's saying, whoa, how come you're owning your life? You know, a lot of times I think we as Christians, um, maybe, we, maybe we don't take complete ownership of our life, but we give God just a slice of the pie. You know, if you were to look at your life as a pie chart and be divided up into all these different slices, you got a slice here for your marriage, a slice here for your kids, a slice here for staying fit somewhat, a slice here for your hobbies, a slice here for your favorite football team, a slice here for, you know, your grandma, and you got a slice all the way around the pie for different things. And then you've got a slice here for Jesus and, and what he's called you to do. And you say, here you go, Lord. That's what I give you. Now I'll take the rest. I'll handle the rest. What James is saying here is he's saying, no, no, no. You give him the whole pie, the whole kit and caboodle. You give it to him and you say, what would you do with my life? It's very short. What would you do? What would you do with this short little mist of a life? Take it. Have it. Do something amazing with it. You know what happens when we don't give our lives to God, right? We don't give him our plans. We end up doing really stupid things with our lives. I mean, it's obvious, right? We end up just doing pathetic, meaningless, stupid things and wasting our lives when we fail to put, them, put our plans before God and say, God, what would you have me to do? Look at the things that the world goes after. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's really silly when you look at it. I mean, fame. It passes, right? People run after fame so hard. I want to be known by men. But the people that were famous 100 years ago, how many of us even know them anymore? I mean, even Michael Jordan, as good as he was, that guy is fading fast. He is. You cannot gather enough fame around you to be remembered forever the way that you would like to. It just passes. Wealth. You know, it's such a pursuit in our, in our culture, but you can't take a dime of it with you. It's such a temporary pursuit. Such a fleeting thing. Youth, you're going to get old. I'm an example of that. I thought I would never... Now, of course, last night I got an encouragement. I was driving home about 9.30 at night, and uh, these two teenagers pulled up next to me in this car, and I think they, they thought I was somebody from their high school because uh, they, uh, they were trying to get my attention. They're waving at me. I finally rolled down my window, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, are you in high school? 
I was like, awesome. I said, no, I'm not. And then we pulled away. So maybe I won't age. You never know. But most of us will get old eventually. Still wondering when that will happen. Beauty. You go after beauty so hard, but you're going to get ugly. It's obvious. We all get ugly as we get older, right? It's so temporary. I mean, it's so temporary. It just, it's just so fleeting. Look at the things that we go after. None of them last. And James is saying, look at the things that you're doing with the short little mist of your life. Do something that's going to matter for eternity. Do something that's going to last. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. If we could bring that up, Cody. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. The way I see that is saying, God, here's my life. You, we are going to plan. We are going to make plans in life. That's obvious. We have to do that. We're not just, I'm not just saying you have to walk through life one minute to the next like an idiot, wondering what you're going to do. You do make plans, but you commit it to God, and you say, here, God, take this. Is this what you'd have me to do? You can veto it. You can tell me to stop. You can tell me to do something else, whatever you'd have me to do. And you commit it to God, and he says, yes. And God's plans always succeed. So you commit your plans to the Lord. They become his plans as well, and then they succeed. So James, first of all, is saying, hey, your life is short, so give God all your plans. And then the second thing he's saying here is life is short, so do the good thing that God has put inside you. Do the good thing. Verse 17 sort of comes out of nowhere. It's almost like James had a little moment of forgetfulness, and then he just started talking again somewhere else. You know? Like it doesn't seem to flow so well with the rest of the passage, but it makes sense when we take it apart. Verse 17, he says, after he's getting done saying, don't brag, don't boast about tomorrow, he says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Out of nowhere. It's like, oh, James, I thought you were done. But he says this thing, and it's powerful. He says, your life is short. So give your plans to God, but then also do the good thing that you know to do. Oftentimes in our lives, we think of sin as the bad things that we do. That's, that's most often what we're trying to, we're trying to quit those things, we're trying to knock that off, we're trying to get out of that struggle. But we often don't think about, what has God put in my heart to do? And this is where I'm really talking to you kids too. I believe God has put things in each one of our hearts to do that are good, that are for God's kingdom, that are for his glory, that are for reaching people for Jesus Christ. And if we will be obedient... He will do some amazing things. That's what James is saying. Saying, give this short little mist of a life to God and, and do the good thing that he's put inside of you to do. Don't waste it. Don't waste this time that you have. It's very short. You kids in here, don't waste your time that you have. Don't waste it. Grab a hold of it. Do what God has put in your life to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's been thinking about you. He's been thinking about your life. And he's prepared good things for you to do. But here's the problem with this. The problem is that oftentimes we get to the place where we say, ah, I'm going to be around for a long time. Ah, i got a lot of time to do that. 
There's plenty of time to take care of orphans later. There's plenty of time to preach the gospel to my neighbors later. There's plenty of time to reach our, our neighborhood later. I got to do this now. We put it off because we feel like we're going to be here for a while. We set up camp and we start to get comfortable here. And we say, leave that stuff to them. I'll reach Rosebud later. I'll, I'll do that later. And we put it off. I'll go, I'll go there later. I'll talk to that person later. You know, I think the enemy's favorite word is tomorrow. I think that's one of his favorite words. Because maybe he won't get you to not be passionate about something. He'll just get you to do it later. Until you die. Then you can't do it anymore. Do the good thing. Grab a hold of it. James says, no, your life is short. Don't waste it. Don't wait. Don't wait to do that thing that he's put inside you that you know he has. The thing that the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart. He said, do this. This is good. This is where your heart wants to go. Don't wait to do it. Do it now. Do it now. So much to do. Do you know that there's entire tribes that have never heard the gospel? Do you know that there are entire families in this neighborhood that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did you know that Rosebud Reservation has the highest suicide rate per capita of any community in the whole world? Three hours away from us. Did you know that there's little kids in our very neighborhood here that are being sexually abused, physically abused, will need great care? Did you know that there are many war veterans returning from war with PTSD and all kinds of trauma will need to be taken care of? There's so much for us to do. So much for us to do. You know, there's 12 million orphans in the Horn of Africa that are starving to death. Look at all the ways you could spend this little mist of a life on something good. James is saying, do it. Don't ignore it. God's put something in your heart. Don't ignore it. Don't dial back your intensity. Grab a hold of what he's put inside you to do. Do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 has some difficult words. It says, if, this is 12 through uh, 15, I believe. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. How do you like that? Our work's going to be tested someday. What we do on this planet will matter. Our work will be tested. Next verse. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Let's get this picture of standing before our Creator on Judgment Day. And all the things that you put your hands to, all the things that you went after in life, burned up. And you look at it and you say, my life counted for nothing. I spent my short little mist vapor of life on nothing. I did nothing with it. It was a gift from, the, from God. It was short. I thought I had more time. I did nothing with it. Friends, I don't want you to be in that place. I don't want you to stand there. I want you to see your works tested and like gold come through the fire. I want you to see your life mattered for something. I want you to give your short little mist of a life, whether it's 10 years or 40 years or 85 years. It doesn't matter. I want you to give your little mist of a life. Kids, I'm talking to you too. For something that matters, for Jesus Christ, to make him known in this world, to bring him glory, make his name great. 
I want to close by telling you three stories that have impacted my life over the years. And these three stories are of people who said, you know what? My life is short. It's like a mist. I'm going to give all my plans to God. And then I'm going to do the good thing that he's put in my heart to do. I'm not going to hold back. The first story is of two Moravians. The story took place in 1733. The Moravians were one of the first groups to break away from the Catholic Church. And it says, Two young Moravians heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist British owner had two to 3,000 slaves. And the owner had said, No preacher, no clergyman will ever stand on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all that nonsense. 3,000 slaves from the jungle of Africa brought to an island in the Atlantic and there to live and die without hearing of Christ. Two young Moravians heard about it. The Holy Spirit was doing something in their hearts and sold themselves to the British planter. As the ship, as the ship left its pier in the river at Hamburg and was going out into the North Sea carried with the tide, the Moravians had come from Herrenhut to see these two lads off, never to return again. For this wasn't a four-year term. They sold themselves into lifetime slavery. These men were in their early 20s. The families were there weeping, for they knew they would never see them again. And they wondered why they were going and questioned the wisdom of it. As the boat drifted out, the young boy saw the widening gap, and one lad with his arm linked through the arm of his fellow, raised his hand and shouted across the gap the last words that were heard from them. They were these. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. They left, never to be heard of again. Next story is of Austin Gutwein. He's nine years old. Bridge, how old are you? Seven and a half. Esther's eight. Stephen, how old are you? Okay. This guy was nine. Where's Cadence? How old is Cadence? She's 10. She's old. Really? At the age of nine, Austin Gutwein was moved when he learned that there were over 15 million children orphaned by HIV AIDS, 12 million living in sub-Saharan Africa. Thinking everyone was doing something to help these children, Austin decided he had to do his part too. He decided to make a difference for just one orphan, one free throw at a time. That first year, Austin went to his school gymnasium and shot 2,057 free throws, representing the 2,057 children who would lose their parents during one school day. Now in its sixth year, Austin's basketball marathon, Hoops of Hope, has spread around the world. Austin's passion has motivated tens of thousands of kids, teens, and adults to make a difference. Austin and Hoops of Hope have raised over $2 million for orphaned children in Africa since 2004. Hoops of Hope has helped to build two medical clinics and a high school serving 1,000 children in rural Zambia, two hope centers in Swaziland, where we are, and built a water project in Kenya. They have provided hundreds of bicycles and supplied medical clinics with more than 1,000 medical caregiver kits to assist HIV-AIDS-infected patients or parents with the basic supplies they need to live longer so they can provide for their children. The money Austin's organization has raised has kept thousands of children in Africa from becoming orphans. Hoops of Hope is currently building a second school in India, and this year will provide 1,000 filled backpacks for students at the high school in Zambia. 
now 16 years old. He's an old timer now. Austin continues to speak on behalf of children. This kid's gone all over the world speaking on behalf of orphans with World Vision. He has met in many, in many of his overseas travels. Austin continues to relay stories to raise awareness and encourage kids to participate in and host Hoops of Hope events. Although many lives have been improved through Austin's efforts with Hoops of Hope, the impact of his message is still to be determined as he continues to share and challenge his generation to make a difference and with God's help to take their best shot and do something bigger than themselves. Kids, I'm telling you, don't wait. Don't wait to get old like me. Do something with your life. It's very, very short. Do something with it. Do something for God. Do the good thing that God has put inside your heart to do. God put this inside Austin Gutwein's heart, and he was obedient. I wonder what he's speaking to our eight-year-olds and our seven-year-olds. I wonder what he's telling you to do. Only you can determine that. But make sure that you don't waste it. Your life is very short, friends. Don't waste it. Grab a hold of it. Do the good thing that he's called you to do. In 2000, this last story is, is by the way, told by John Piper. A very impacting story for me to hear. Um, it's very countercultural, so brace yourself. In 2000, Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon, West Africa. Roy and Yvette are hail from Cameroon. And so um, this is a, a story that hits close to home. Ruby was over 80. I just love that. Single all her life, she poured it out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor, and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes failed, the car went over a cliff, and they were both killed instantly. Was that a tragedy? Piper asked. Two lives driven by one great passion? namely to be spent in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Even two decades after most of their American counterparts had retired to throw their lives away on trifles. Piper's not fond of retirement. No, that is not a tragedy. That is a glory. These lives were not wasted, and these lives were not lost. He quotes Mark eight thirty-five: Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the Gospels will save it. I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider a story from the February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. At first, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life. And James would say to us, very short life. And let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your Creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ as the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? That is a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over and against that, I put my protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Friends, I'm telling you, I'm urging you, with the words of James, your life is very short. 
shorter than you realize. Don't waste it. It's a terrible thing to waste. It's a precious thing to waste. Do not waste your life. Don't waste it. Give all your life plans to God. Bend them around him. And then do that good thing that he's put inside of you. Don't wait to do it. Do it now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that challenges us. It cuts us like a sword, a double-edged sword. It convicts us. But Lord, I thank you that it prevents us from wasting our short little lives. Father, right now I pray that you would come into this room by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would speak new vision to hearts. That maybe when we've resisted you at times, Lord, that you would re-speak those good things that you have put in our hearts to do. Right now, Holy Spirit, that people would know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is what I'm to do with my short little mist of a life. I pray that you'd speak to kids and adults alike today. That all of us would have a view on our own lives that we are here for a very short time and we need to be about what you've called us to do. We need to not waste this precious gift that you've given us. Help us to consider it, Lord. Help us to, if we're going to waste our lives, to waste it on you. To pour it out for you, Lord Jesus, at your feet for the advancement of the gospel and to make your name great in the earth. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we trust you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Bill.